BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to the latest episode of Stories from the Pack. Uh, Stories from the Pack, the series where we take a trip down memory lane, uh, or should that be Molyneux Way, as we share our experiences um, of following the walls. Um, on this episode, I'm delighted to be joined uh, by someone who will be familiar to the Walls family, um, former head of uh, media at Walls, Paul Berry. Paul, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Hoops. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Really good, So. How's how's things for you at the moment in these uh, in these testing times? Yeah, it's not too bad, mate. Um, doing a lot of work from home, obviously. I think as a lot of people are, which uh, you know, it's good that I've still got work really in this sort of this sort of area. But um, yeah, there's a lot of people far worse off worse off than me. So yeah, let's hope they can kind of get it all under control at some point, mate. And um, you know, with these horrible figures every day. But yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think just to, to, to touch on that, really, in, in, a, in a sort of negative, not a negative, but I guess but in these tough of times, shall I say, um, that there are some positives um, from this situation. I think one of the positives that, that I've seen and something you've been involved in as well, Paul, is how the community comes together. I think with, with wars, when we talk about wars, it might sound a little bit twin, a little bit cliche when we talk about one pack, but I just think it's so appropriate at the moment because I think what we've seen is a lot of fans coming together and, and, and just one of the many ways the fans and, and people associated with the, the club like yourself and former players have come together is in fundraising for the NHS. So could you just, for those who perhaps aren't aware, um, talk to us about the recent fundraising that, that and how you got involved in that? Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, mean, I think you're spot on. It's kind of um, the way Wolves as a club and the fan base always help each other out. Uh, mm. I think what happened is obviously the first team were doing their, you know, they had made a substantial donation to the New Cross Hospital, to the Royal Wolverhampton NHS Trust, and obviously Posen had been doing a lot of stuff as well with the donation of PPE equipment and masks, etc. 
And it was basically, I mean, Carl Henry, um, who I worked with pretty closely at Wolves for many years, he, you know, obviously he's a Wolverhampton lad. He was born at New Cross. He was treated there for asthma when he was a child. So he, I think he'd had the idea probably about a month ago. He phoned me one weekend and said he'd got this idea. Um, you know, what, what should he do with it, really? And I just said, well, I'd help him out however he needed. He, um, he was sort of speaking to all the former players at that time. Um, I suggested he spoke to Will Clues, who's the head of the Wolves Foundation, because I knew that Will had been heavily involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the sort of frozen aspect of the appeal and knew the people at New Cross. Um, and then between us, we just started speaking to different former players, former players association who I'm kind of involved with. They made a £5,000 donation at the start by uh, John Richards and Steve Daly and Richard Green, people that were kind of wanting to do their own thing as well. So it all tied in really nicely. And, you know, the fun got going. Carl sort of lent on the likes of Matt Murray, Danny Bath. Um, we got fans involved, you know, I think a lot of fans probably wanted to make a donation, didn't really know how to. I mean, I was probably like that. So this kind of gave them a, a vehicle to, to support the NHS. And and then also, I mean, I think people that haven't seen, there's been so many incredible donations from people, not just monetary, but shirts from Jolyon Lescott, Dave Edwards, Matt Jarvis, um, Louise Cobbold, the Wolf Program Artist, donated a piece. Steve Plant donated a fantastic kind of Cody frame picture. Uh, Denise Dennison, the wife of Robbie Dennison, uh, did a fantastic painting. Captain Tom Moore. It's all kind of, like you say, just everybody doing their bit. Um, I could probably go on all night and I'd probably miss too many people out. But like you say, I think it just sums up Wolves as a club and as a fan base. That every time somebody needs help, they tend, they don't never let you down. Um, and I remember that from my time, you know, Carla Keeney, obviously another, another example of a real horrible situation, but the way the fans came together and helped Carl as well. So, yeah, I think. I think a lot of clubs have this community angle and, and a lot of clubs are very good, but I think, like you say, Wolves is up there and it's a very special one. I, I think you're right. And I, and I, and I guess we, we can only speak for our own experience and, and we, we are biased to a degree and I, and I get that, but I, I think it's heartwarming and I think what we've found with the um, the campaign is you've seen players who, you know, um, perhaps not have had as illustrious career, but have obviously had an affinity to the club. I think there's players like Halford, for example, who was probably much maligned, but he's got involved and, you know, and also it's extended to, um, I mean, the foundation as as, as well. I think Wolves Women are, are doing a, a charity Compton to Compton at the moment. There's so much going on, as you say, and there's so many um, people involved. Um I believe the the just giving um, site. We can put the details online. You may be familiar, but I think if you type in Wall's former players, or if you look at Carl Carl Henry's Twitter page, for example, I think there's a pinned tweet there as well. So there's loads of information out there. We know it's tough times, but if you can help, then um, then do so. But as you say, up until this point, the the, um, the generosity and kind of the support has been has been amazing. So that's brilliant. So that that's now we're real sort of strange times at the moment. But the purpose really of of this series. As I, I kind of mentioned in the intro and what we're trying to get over is for me as well what I love about it is I have a chat with with fans and uh, as a fan myself it kind of takes me back as well as sometimes games that you forget and it all resonates again so while we've got this moment we're just looking back so for yourself uh, Paul in terms of um, I ask people on this what their first game is, all, all their first memories, because I'm not 100% confident what my first game was okay. to the detail. But I, I remember the experience. What, a, what what was it for yourself? What do you remember about your first sort of moments going down to the Molyneux? Yeah, I mean, certainly for me, it's a, it's a long time ago. <laughs> like a bit of, and the memory tends to fade. But it's quite I mean, I remember um, my first memories were with my granddad. He used to take me and my cousin to the... 
reserve games, central league games, I think they were called. Mm. And I remember, I think it was like when Wolves were at home on a Saturday, uh, the first team, the reserves, sorry, when Wolves were away, the reserves played at home. So mm. I remember going to those games and the kind of thrill of, you know, there weren't that many people there. There was a fair few. And but obviously, I guess the diehards had gone to the away game, but, you know, as a really young lad and been able to just, you could almost walk around the ground, watch these reserve games. Vivid memory, they used to put the first team scores up on the old scoreboard that they used to have, which I used to love. So you'd be kind of <laughs> keeping track on how the first team were doing long before the days of mobile phones and, and social media. So I, you know, that was kind of what I remember, um, you know, as a really great memory, sort of spending time with my granddad. And then my mum and dad used to take me then as a, as a youngster to we used to sit in the Waterloo Road, the top, the top uh, tier, if you like, of the Waterloo Road above the terrace. And the first, like you say, the first game is difficult. Um, I was about five for the 1980 League Cup, and I remember I wasn't allowed to go to that. So I think I was must have been sort of starting to go to first team games then. But it was a cup cup run in '81 that I remember quite vividly as a real first memory, which was a couple of games. I've looked it up to be fair, but played against Wrexham and Middlesbrough at home. I think we won them both 3-1. Um, Norman Bell, who older fans might remember, he he came off the bench, um, and that I think looking back is my first sort of real early memory of, um, of going to Molyneux for a first-team game. And what were the players that stood out at that time in those sort of few seasons? What were the players that you kind of started to look out for or kind of sort of court heroes or or players that you, you know, you're excited to see on the team sheet? Yeah, I suppose, um, obviously, it was the sort of latter end of, of, of John Richards, who was someone I, you know, been told a lot about um, growing up by family, etc., uh, the Jeff Palmers. I mean, I was lucky enough to be a mascot, would you believe, in um, sort of 982, I think that was, and ran out with Brilliant. Kenny Hibbert, which was obviously a thrill. Mm. Uh, Burridge, I remember John Burridge coming in, and again, he, he actually lived in Compton, quite near, um, like my best mate at the time, and we uh, we went round to see him um, the one night, I remember, and that was a, sort of the first time almost talking properly to a to a proper player. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so my mate, I mean, he's still my mate, best mate now, and he he was only a couple of years older, so we were probably, uh, you know, I was maybe nine or ten, he was twelve, and we've got John Burridge sitting in the, sitting in his living room, just literally telling us everything about a game, and so that was, uh, you know, so as a youngster, that was another memorable experience. So those, I guess those sort of players, Danny Craney was an early hero of mine, um, scored a couple against West Brom, uh, and again, bizarrely, uh, people my age might remember the Players like uh, Tony Towner, Sammy Troughton, who kind of came and went really quickly, but I just, for some reason, sort of stuck stuck in my head a little bit. So, um, yeah, and obviously those early 80s were very much up and down from the promotion to successive relegations. And uh, so, yeah, those were the sort of early times. And, and then obviously, um, sort of moving on a bit, it was uh, it was bullying his generation. Yeah, I mean, quite quite an interesting time then for yourself, because obviously, as you say, perhaps too young to kind of go from the late 70s, early 80s. And the, and then there was that, I guess, you know, 80s to, to, to 90s. I, I came in a little bit later, probably 89, 90 was my sort of first games. But I guess you were kind of at the, at the part of it, the start of your journey where we'd kind of, yeah, in and out of the top flight and, you know, so much going on with the ground. I mean, there's so much, obviously, history around that that time as well. Um, and yeah, God, it must it must have been quite a strange experience, really, because within within a decade, the club completely different, I guess, to that game where you're in that Waterloo Road stand, which is then condemned, and then you know, 
God, it, it must have gone by like a flash. And then suddenly, you, you know, you've got the, the ground taking shape and sort of the resurgence of the um, into the 90s as well. No, absolutely. It was, uh, like you say, those memories which are kind of a bit hazy up and down. I mean, I can remember the, the promotion season to Graham Hawkins quite a little bit and then whether I've blocked it out inadvertently, but the, the plummet to the bottom, I obviously remember it happening. Um, but then the real kind of, I guess, uh, my childhood, if you like, and teenage years was that late 80s team of, um, let's say, the bully, Andy Murch, Robbie Dennison, Andy Thompson, you know, you can just list them off. And that was kind of, I suppose you've always got an interest in football, but those years for me were the real um, peak years, I guess, of growing up. And it didn't matter that we were in the fourth division or the third division because you pitched up at Wallingham every Saturday afternoon and um, you just knew very likely that Wolves were going to win and Bully was going to score and, mm. you know, start getting to a few away games and you get the buzz of that as well. So, um, yeah, I think you know, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you look how incredibly well things are going now, which is which is incredible for Wolves to be up at the top of the Premier League and back in Europe. But equally, as a, as a kid, when you probably you know, you love football more than anything else, um, before you get other responsibilities, I think, you know, I feel so fortunate to have been around during those times and to have sort of witnessed, you know, the revival, really. I think this is the thing as well, because I, this, is, this is how I see sort of football. It's interesting when people get excited when we're playing United or we're playing Liverpool. But I always look back myself when I was a kid. It was never really about who we, we were playing, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. Because I think as a kid, when you get into it, it was the fact I'm going to the game. My yeah. dad's going to take me to the game. He's going to take me to his pub. I'm going to see something which is completely, it feels like a different world that I'm, I shouldn't really be entitled to outside yeah. of my house. And and to me, it didn't matter because I was going and we were, you know, I as I say, I, I was going when really we were just about coming back up 89, 90. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember sitting in the red seats and, you know, there wasn't a stand opposite. And the football wasn't particularly great other than the fact that, you saw Bully come on and he did his trademark run to the centre circle and so and it was do you know what it wasn't so much about um, so I I love it now and it's amazing now and I and I love it but I think what what's interesting here is like you say that there are great times and you appreciate how good the team is now but it's kind of like that hook when it gets you Mm. it it kind of it's not it's more about experience isn't it and sort of the the feel of that time absolutely yeah and I think it's almost like as well, the experiences you have and the ups and downs almost prepare you for what's happening now, I think. You know, mm-hmm. it's gone through, I guess people growing up now will think it's always been like this. But um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're absolutely right. And, and as sort of from my mum and dad taking me, which was obviously brilliant, to then as a teenager going with my mates on the South Bank um, and just, like as you say, school during the week, you were just building up to a home game, really, and just the thrill of that Saturday afternoon and... Um, of watching that team uh, was just as you said experience. and then it, it moves on into then going you know, with your mates having a few beers and mm. a, a time when Wolves probably weren't obviously nothing like what they are now so you, you were going for the day not really sure what the result was going to be um, having a great time with your mates having a few beers if you won fantastic if you didn't well you're still going to have a good time it was still the football and it was, uh, it was still you know just a great release from everything else so uh, yeah I think it's a, it's a beauty of being a football fan, isn't it? Really, that it's not. You always want to win, but equally, if you don't, as uh, and Wolves fans have had a bit of that over the years, you're still following your team and just enjoying the experience. 
Brilliant. And you mentioned sort of in there about going on to away games. What what were your highlights? It didn't have to necessarily be early, early doors, but what's what what about your favourite sort of away grounds to visit? Obviously, I'm, I'm imagining sort of you, uh, from a professional point of view, you went to a lot of grounds and also as a fan. But what what are sort of your standout sort of away games? Would it the the sort of the, the old school terraces back in those times, or was it sort of you know? I guess it's different how things are now. But what stands out sort of as an away day experience for you? I think, yeah, in those early years, it was, again, going on the terraces and sort of um, just, again, it's, it's a completely new experience, isn't it? And and also, uh, I was thinking this earlier today, that as much as we kind of think we've had it bad with with fortunes in the team over the years, I was looking back and some still some incredible away games, um, you know, probably just before, as you say, just before you sadly missed it, the, the Albion away game in 89, with Bullies last minute winner, quickly followed by Newcastle that New Year's Day. Um, you know, to have those two within sort of three months of each other, uh, it was incredible. And to be, as you say, to be on the terraces, I mean, I used to go when again I was only um, well, 14, 15 then, so we'd go on the probably the only way I was allowed to go was to go on the official coaches. But again, you'd have a group of you, and it would just be such great fun. So, yeah, so those from the early, early days, those terraces. Um, and then I guess I was, as you say, fortunate enough when I was working both at Birmingham and at Wolves to then go to all these grounds again um, as a, working for the press and a bit higher up the pyramid. So, yeah, it's, it's I've been fortunate really to, to get the rich tapestry of uh, all four divisions <laughs> very different experiences. But yeah, I mean, uh, and again, going, going with the press, I mean, it's probably all the ones you'd expect, uh, you know, Liverpool's, um, Manchester City now, Arsenal's, it's just... You know, it's, some, it's difficult to believe that their football stadiums sometimes are so, um, you know, they're so amazing and, and the experience you get as a press person, how you looked after as well, is uh, is phenomenal, really. Yeah, I've I've seen some of those pictures. I think when I've 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 seen people put online of some of the catering and it's kind of like it's just a, it's like you, yeah. you've got Michelin style restaurants, haven't you? Within grounds now, I think it's it's crazy, but it's that's as lovely as it is, and it's kind of like. I can probably be a bit nostalgic and I remember sort of going to Grimsby away, you know, how cold that was and stuff like that. And then, but then it's, it's lovely to have that other side of that experience. And I think, yeah, it is a little bit cliche, but it, it does make you appreciate, like you say, the, um, that those times as well, and they're all good in their own individual ways. Um, did you, did you go to, sorry, just just almost taking up your point. I say all that. And then literally, from a work point of view, that League One season was mm. as good as any. And that was, again, um, you probably get spoiled as a press person, but we were going into grounds where the facilities weren't great. But, um, you know, we absolutely loved it. The two or three of us that used to go, and I'm sure, the, you know, the fans did as well. I mean, that was an incredible season, wasn't it? And fans taking over the home grounds and sort of um, that team again, that were, again, another special one, I think, to be remembered. So, yeah, yeah, I think... You know, it's difficult to say which is better, really. You know, you enjoy the, the luxury of some. But, yeah, I mean, that season as well, I found absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I, f- I think that's the thing, really. It was it was, it was was going from, you know, the, the, the double dip as it was and, and kind of that, that resurgence. And I remember the first game at Preston away, which was to talk 5,000. And, and I remember going to that game and then I remember... You know, I, I suppose it was the fact that you could you could uh, get a decent allocation for some grounds, some not like Burton, but you could pay twenty quid for a ticket. And I guess when we'd come out of the Premier League, it was like although we wanted to get back there, that was great. But that was also about 
what was happening off the pitch as well, wasn't it? It was sort of yeah. the feel good factor was back, wasn't it? Really, there was a there was a there was a, a, such a good atmosphere in that season, I think. No, absolutely, and I mean Preston. I remember, um, and as you say, having kind of worked <laughs> worked at the club for those two years through the double dip mm. that summer, which yeah, you're obviously a little bit worried about how it's going to go. Um, you know, he literally jobs. I think people had to leave the club behind mm. the office staff. You know, you worry about your own jobs in between that. That summer was was such a pivotal one, and then for Kenny to come in and do what he did, and, and that Preston game, and then we sat in the press box, and I think Rob Edwards was um, sat next to me. I think he was maybe uh, co-commentator with Mikey Burrows, I think, for Beacon or something before his time at Wolves, and there was that war just before, just at the end of the warm-up. I think it was some yeah. uh, the Joe Gallon had started the summer kits. We'll go and thank the fans, and I think. It was just weird because we were looking down and you heard the roar and it's one of those, what's happened? And you looked up and it was just all, you know, literally, I think every Wolves fan on their feet. And I don't know, even as a fan, and it was just that pride. Cause you just thought then that's that's kind of Wolves fans saying, right, you know, a horrible couple of years and um, that's gone behind us. We've had all the dissent, we've had all the arguments. Let's let's go again. Let's get behind these boys. And again, I think it just sums up what we said at the start about the NHS. I think it's probably mm. a bit embarrassing, but I do think Wolves fans will... They'll always give you a chance, you know what I mean? As bad as things have got, they're all, this was a new team and, and we were willing to get behind them and uh, obviously as things turned out, it was just a fantastic season. And I think, you know, it's you know, it's worth us discussing this because I think look, looking back, you know, you're talking there and I was thinking, actually, that was a hell of a bookmark moment really because if that first game would have gone a little bit differently or that that mood would have changed, I'm interested with, do you think people within the club were kind of a bit like, uh, because kind of the, the the fans and the you know the connection wasn't there for a number of reasons. Do you think there was? How, how can I put this? Do people not within the club think? Oh, what's the reaction going to be like? Are they are they still falling out with a sort of thing? And was it just that relief to say they've gone right? New slate. We're we're here together. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think um, I mean they obviously knew that. Uh, I mean, I think it was Jez and. Um, Kevin Thelwell had led the recruitment, obviously with Steve Morgan's backing. I think they knew they'd got a really good, you know, head coach. Obviously, a really solid, solid and, and good head coach. And Kenny, um, obviously, there were some decisions with the bomb squad, as it was called, which you, you know, a few of those took us by surprise as well. But when you look back, you can see why it was done. And I think throughout that summer, you, you could see how meticulous Kenny was. You could see what he was doing, and so there was a lot of. I think confidence in him that they've really got the right the right man for the job. But then equally, it doesn't guarantee results. And as you say, you look back, and again, I'm sure the fans would have would have allowed for you know a little bedding in period, and maybe a month or so if things hadn't gone well. But equally, um, because of what had gone before, I mean, comes <laughs> probably far fetched now. But Wolves have gone through the divisions before, and, and there's nothing to say that if things hadn't gone well. Um, it could have been a difficult season as other big clubs have had in that division. So no, I think you're right. I think it was it was a really key key period in the history, which has probably led to where we are now. Um, but at the same time, I'd say they certainly knew that in Kenny they've got someone that could ride the storm. Uh, you know, he had to ride one or two while he was at Wolves, but uh, you say such a professional, such a a really good you know coach in the way he got that team playing. Um, once they, once they got into the group, I mean to be fair as well, they probably didn't really. Getting to the group till after Christmas completely, you know, they're in the frame, weren't they? That probably been spectacular, but then I think that run of um, successive wins uh, just really started that momentum that uh, they never stopped. Brilliant. And I mean, in terms of um, what would you say, 
what was your best day? Uh, you know, that, that is a season and there's many been many good, good seasons. And that, as you say, I think it has to take its own place in history mm-hmm. because of how good it was. And also because of, you know, being a start of a sort of renaissance and kind of closing the, the chapter of the previous era. Is Cardiff up there? What, what's your sort of best day, would you say, as a, as, a, as a Wolves fan or being involved? I'd probably kind of have to pick maybe two, I think. I mean, that's, mm. as you say, was brilliant. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to be a bit of a pain. Probably one as a fan um, on the terraces, if you like, or in the stand, and then um, one work. And like, to be fair, <laughs> I'll say both. I went to Cardiff for the playoff final. I was working for the Birmingham Mail. So mm. I get I wasn't even such a fan there although I obviously was a fan but um but yeah that day I think was incredible and the kind of I suppose to be working for the press you're a little bit detached from it so you haven't got I've not got to worry about press arrangements and all that sort of stuff which I had to sort of later on when I was working for the club so I think yeah I mean again it's it's that day and just seeing all the fans in the stadium um and the way the game went uh, after so after waiting for so many years and I suppose as a fan having Waited for so many years for the team to get back to the top flight. That was um, that was special. And then I think the the QPR game from a working at Wolves point of view, uh, the promotion mm. was again. You know, I've been there my first year, and I'm still probably learning a bit. That move from working for the media to then working inside the club, and kind of to have that happen in the first season. Um, you know, I was the fortunate one that used to go with Mick to all his press conferences after games, and it's I mean. Mm. You know, to, to just have those few minutes of sort of chatting to him was something that I'll never forget and always be grateful for. So I think to see that all that culmination and, and such a brilliant group of players as characters as well, um, see all that come together that day at QPR, uh, you know, something completely new to me to be on the inside was, uh, again, something that I'll never forget. That's the thing, I guess, really, isn't it? Because I, I guess first and foremost, you're a fan. And then, as you say, when you take that sort of official role, is it different? I guess it's different in terms of, you, you know, you've got your fan emotion, but have you also got sort of your work head where you kind of think, well, this is great, but what's going to happen? Or this isn't great. And then, you know, d- does that kick in? I guess it's kind of a mixture of emotions, I guess. It does, yeah, no, again. And um, I think when you're a fan and you say, you know, you have a few beers, you can enjoy the game, and then at the end of it, you can go home and have a moan or you can, or you can mm-hmm. celebrate. But no, certainly you can... You're always thinking, I think, when you're working there um, about what's going to happen next. And I think you're thinking, you remember what it's like to be a fan. So you want, you know, you want the team to do well for all those fans that you, you've seen week in, week out, go to games. Uh, and you want the players to do well. You know, I think um, to see them working every day to, and some of them get stick and that's understandable. And I'm sure as a fan, I used to give them stick, but you always, you know the person a little bit more. Um, you know sometimes what people are going through and going out and playing with injuries, which people don't know about, but they want to play so much that they'll go and they might not be at their best and the fans will perhaps give them a bit of stick. But, you know, there's all those different things at play, but the, the overriding thing, I guess, as a fan or whether you're working, you just want you want the team to do as well as they can for, for all the staff and the players and, and I guess most importantly the fans of which, you know, I'm still one and, and always will be. Brilliant. And in turn, I think what we'll do, I mean, we, I guess in terms of the, not to bring in a downer, but you, the negatives, what were sort of your, your lowest point uh, being a Wolves fan? Um, I think Bolton uh, in the playoff yeah. in there. I'm sure a lot of people will say this. I think, again, that was the time when I was, I think I was about 21. So I probably had you know, a good few years by then of going to all the home games and a fair few aways. And 
and just waiting for that team, which I thought was a really good team to get to get up there, which never quite happened. And I just I think the manner of the game um, was just sort of again football was everything to me at that point, and it was just such a kick in the kicking the teeth the way the game went and just to see all the season kind of collapse just in that one sort of spell of, of football. Um, you know, if it's a strange one and you talk about sort of Watford in the cup semis, which, you know, again, I suppose now and probably I took my lads and my wife came into that game as well. So that was just a brilliant experience. But um, again, the way that happened was just, devastating in a way and and I could almost see in my two lads I mean that was their bolt I think because the age mm. they are you know they you could see them trying to process it my youngest wanted to as soon as Watford scored the third you know my wife had to take him out because you couldn't you just didn't want to see them celebrate at the end and you know those are the feelings of the football fan that you, you come up against isn't it and I guess as, as someone a bit older now with other things going on I could disappoint as I was you kind of accept it as, as, as a result and you know will come again but certainly um, you know, really enjoyed that day, but sort of Bolton, uh, you know, there's nothing enjoyed about that at all. And uh, yeah, I think we got to the playoffs again, I think a couple of years later, but that one, I think, will, you know, it took a long time to recover. And uh, I think, if you, I'm sure many people you chat to about this, that will be sort of up there as one of their one of their worst days, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I remember I, I was watching it at Molyneux on the beanbag. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, we won't dwell on it too much because we want to keep it positive and, and, and light. But it, you know, it, it, it demonstrates the highs and lows. And as we, we talked about earlier in the chat, really, also gives you appreciation of sort of the now and, and how uh, good things are. But also, it's interesting because, as you say, I, I remember that. But I, I think I felt it more the the Palace playoff. I think, but that was probably just at the point in my relationship with the club and my my support. And I was a season ticket then. I was in the North Bank. I remember that atmosphere for that game, and I imagine it was built up to such a crescendo, and you, and it was kind of like we're just there. Yeah. But then also, as, as you say, with the Watford game, that that was a fantastic experience, and and it was lovely because for years I went with my dad, and and in, in recent times I've not been able to, but I, my dad came with us to um, to Wembley, and that that was lovely. Um, and it and it was kind of like this is tough, but the team's really good. Whereas I think those playoff ones, it kind of felt well. I don't know if we'll recover. Whereas I think in the recently, it's like, well, we're all right. But when you're a bit younger, you don't think of next no. season. You think of there and then. And for your kids, it's like that's at that moment in time is just the worst, isn't it? But um, yeah, you can certainly have look stories back in the day, wasn't it? Like you say, you just think mm-hmm. there was nothing to really cling to because you thought it's going to be another really difficult season, as was proved, I think, um, with the way things panned out. But like you say, for Watford and the way the team are now, you just tough as that day was you just think uh, again so many fans there such a great experience and you know there's going to be other chances hopefully you know within the next few years so brilliant and and just just finally as we we literally come to the present day we know football's on on pause at the moment and and hopefully when it's it's safe and we get the all clear to do so um is this the best side you've you've seen paul in terms of from, from following the club right now or um, yeah, as I say, I can't quite remember the one that, well, I remember the team that won the League Cup in 1980, but I didn't see too much of them. So I think, you know, certainly for quality of football, the way they play, um, the quality of players, uh, you know, and the, and the league position says that all, and, and Europe, I think it obviously has to be. Um, but again, I think the beauty is a Wolves fan, you can kind of, you know, look back and maybe it's not about comparing, but, you know, I love seeing the playoff team do what they did. Obviously, I love working there for the League One and, and the 
and the championship teams who were probably put to, you know put together in very different circumstances um you know very different budgets but equally i think you, you look at the you know i think the fortunate thing for us we've had managers that have really flourished in those different circumstances from you know dave jones for that kind of one-off game almost for, through to mick the promotion in the premier league through to kenny in the rebuilding and then you know nuno who's got He's probably got the most resources, but then he's used them in such a in such a brilliant way to take the team to another level. Um, and you know his coaching ability, not just with the players that have come in, but with the players already here. You know he's clearly uh, he's clearly incredible. So yeah, I think um, again difficult to compare. Obviously the football's as, as good as anything that, that, that I've seen, but equally I've had some fantastic times. You know through the ups and downs. So again, Wolves being Wolves, I think we try and just enjoy as much of it as we can. Um, you know, look forward to the future. Hopefully, when football comes back, and see uh, just how far this team can go. Yeah, brilliant. And and really, just just finally from from ourselves on on the on the fan cast, just a very quick reminder of what we've got. As we talked about there, football is on pause, but we're still looking to to bring out some content for you at the moment to get you through. So we've got the alternative Hall of Fame, and we're continuing this series of um, stories from the pack. But for now, thank you to Paul. And uh, thanks for listening and uh, stay safe and uh, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Cheers. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.